year ago. That's good. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Oh, yeah. Okay, stop, stop, stop. Wow. Wow, I'm feeling, that's, that's very nice. That's a feeling of love, man. That is so good. Woo. So I'm excited to be back. I, I had a great break. Some of you guys said it was too long. I do not know who you are. But, man, I had a great time uh, over break, and I, ho- I hope you're excited to be back. Um, maybe not at school, but at Challenge. We're excited. And we're going to be jumping into a series going through the book of First John, and it's going to be called Real. And so I'm super pumped. Um, so I want to start with something. Do you, any of you guys know, this may be dating myself a little bit, do any of you guys know what Jinkos are? Okay, there's these really baggy jeans, huge jeans. When I was in junior high, they were all the rage. They like went all the way over your feet. They, they were like the, the cuffs of the jeans just went all the way around. And they had like a big patch right here. And if, when I was in junior high, you had to have Jinkos, okay? And I just remember being obsessed with getting this pair of Jinkos. I had to have them. And I remember they were $50, which that is a lot of money for jeans, if you ask me, and especially for a junior high. And so I begged my parents. I was like, Mom and Dad, I need these Jinkos. And so they finally went, we went to the store. I broke them down after days and days and months of badgering them. I need to have these Jinkos. They finally got me this pair. And they were a little, they weren't quite all the way over the foot. And they had a smaller patch. And so I went to junior high, and you can guess what happened. Junior high is the worst, okay? Some, some guy looked at, what are those? Those are baby Jinkos. And I, was, I thought it was so cool with my jeans. And then I went home. I literally cried. <laughs> it's embarrassing. But I tell you that, just to make a, a, a point, is they were almost as good as the real thing. They were Jinkos, but they weren't quite the real thing. And I think a lot of us settle for a faith that is almost as good as the real thing, almost what God wants, but it may not be authentic. It may not be real. A lot of people live a very self-focused version of faith. It's based on their goals, their dreams, their ambitions. And the problem with that is that's not real faith. That's not real Christianity. Real Christianity is God-centered. It's centered on God and who he is and what he wants to accomplish in your life. And he, Jesus actually wants to save you. Jesus wants to save you from yourself, okay? He wants to save you from being so self-focused. And a lot of Christians, uh, America is said to be about 50% Christian, which is hard to imagine that. When you think about all the sin, all the craziness that goes on, and all the divisiveness and that's why, that's one of the most common criticisms of Christianity is that Christians are hypocrites. And I don't really blame people that think that, that think some Christians, a lot of people are Christians by name only. And they, they talk one way, but they live another. Uh, Muhammad Gandhi said this, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Wow, that's interesting. Far too many people have been burned by Christians that that say they're Christian, but they treat people harshly. They treat people judgmentally, or even they do worse things. They, They, in the name or in the guise of Christianity in the church, some of you guys have been hurt 
by the church. And I want to just say sorry. If that's you, I want to say as a follower of Christ, like that's not who Jesus is, and that's not who real followers of Christ are. If you've been hurt by the church, we're not perfect. Christians aren't perfect. But real Christians love people and will, will be authentic and real. So let me just jump in. Oh, before I jump in, I want to share with you this quote. And this is kind of how I, my experience, this quote by A.W. Tozer, it, it basically describes my personal experience with faith. It says, others before me have gone much further into holy mysteries than I have done. But if my fire is not large, it is yet real. And it may be those who can light their candle at its flame. So I've just, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface on my walk with God, my connection with God. I've been walking with God for actually a pretty long time now. Um, but he has changed me, and I just feel like my intimacy with him is just getting started. And so if you guys can catch just a little bit of the fire that I have and what God's word has, this night will be a success. So let me just pray and we'll jump right into the God's word. Father, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you that you are real and that you want each of us to have a real relationship with you. I, I pray that we would each really listen to what you have to say to our lives. And we thank you for your love. We thank you that you want to know us. I pray that each person in here would come to embrace you for who you really are, Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're gonna, we have little handouts for you. And so let's read along in the handouts. In 1 John, there's a 1 through 4. I'm just going to read it. It says, That which, we have heard, which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we look upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which was we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So this letter was written by the Apostle John. And he's saying in this introduction, basically, that I saw Jesus. I sat next to Jesus at the Lord's Supper. John saw Jesus. He experienced Jesus in the flesh, in person, as a, just, he saw him. How many of you guys would love to have that experience? I would. I would love it. And, and that is something, actually, that is something that Jesus actually said that those that experience Jesus and believe in Jesus have an extra blessing from those that saw him face to face at the time. He said this in John 20, 20, 29. He said, then Jesus told them, told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who, do, who have not seen and yet have believed. So John's goal in writing 1 John was to say, I've seen Jesus, I know Jesus, I have a real faith in Jesus, and you can too. Even though you haven't seen Jesus, you can know him in just a real a way as John did, as I did, as as John in the Bible said he did. So I want you to circle a word. There's a lot of words in there. So I want you to find the word fellowship and circle that word. 
I'm gonna, the, the Bible, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, and the Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. And it's association, community, communion, joint participation, the share which, the share which one has in anything. So basically he's saying, if you are a follower of Christ, you share the same connection to Christ that someone that actually saw him. And in that time, that was a mind-blowing reality. Because they, the apostles, the people that actually saw Jesus face to face, those were the people that were like really revered and honored. And they, they were kind of put on a pedestal. But you guys that actually saw him face to face, because it was still in, in, the, in that, that time period. But John just breaks down the barrier. At the beginning of this letter, he's saying, okay, I've seen him, but you can know him. And so you don't have to see Christ to know Christ. Colossians 1.27, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you've committed your life to Christ, you have Jesus living inside of you. This is a mystery. I don't understand exactly how it works, but it says that it's a glorious mystery. It's something that's just so far beyond our imagination, to have the living God coming and living inside of us. It just blows my mind. I know Jesus, and it's not because I've seen him face to face. It's because I've experienced him supernaturally, changing my life from the inside out. It is the greatest miracle. It's the greatest privilege of life is to know God in a real, authentic way. I mean, if you miss that, you miss the greatest thing in life. Don't miss the greatest thing in life. 1 Peter 1.8, though we have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Uh, my, I have a daughter, five-year-old daughter, Evelyn, and she has committed her life to Christ. She has made Jesus the boss of her life. You can clap about that. That is awesome. That is, like, amazing. And we were driving the other day, and me and Evelyn have a little contest, and she was in the back seat, and um, we had a little contest to see who loves each other more. And she always says, but, Daddy, I love Jesus far more than you. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like that's the only person I'm allowed, you're allowed to say that about. And she says, I love, I love God, like a trillion, 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 trillion. I love him a million, billion, billion. And she said, I could talk for the rest of my life about how much I love God. So even a five-year-old can experience Christ. Jesus wants to, to show you his love and show you his life and, and give you himself, more and more of himself. So you can know God, not just intellectually, not just by reading the Bible, but you can know him in reality. That's why we titled this, this series Real, is because God wants to really know you. Jesus wants to really connect with you on a daily basis. So the, the way to experience Christ, the first one is you must embrace the real Jesus. First, you must embrace the real Jesus. Another reason John wrote this letter was there was lots of people coming in and teaching false things about who Jesus was. They were saying Jesus wasn't really fully God. They were saying he wasn't really fully, then there was others who were saying he wasn't really fully man when he became a man. So they were kind of like trying, it is kind of a crazy thing that Jesus was fully God and fully man. 
right? <laughs> okay, that's, that's a paradox, but it's true. He was fully God, fully man. But people were coming in and saying things, or they're saying he didn't really rise from the dead. He spiritually rose from the dead. So they kind of were twisting things, and they started these new churches, and they, they were like these spinoffs that were happening, and it was her- heresy, basically, meaning it's the false gospel. And John said this. Let's read it again in John 1, 1 and 2. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Now, this is the intro to 1 John. This is the very, he's just out the gate. He's like, starts spitting these theological truths and if I'm honest with you, sometimes when I'm doing my quiet time, when I'm reading my Bible in the morning, I skip, I kind of scan over the intros. I, I, I must confess. Sometimes I, I just kind of just breeze by them, and I don't really take time because they're packed. Each word has like a significant meaning that is so deep and so profound. So don't make that mistake. Don't make the mistake I did. So I want you to underline the phrase, that which was from the beginning. That which was from the beginning. Jesus is God, and he was there from the very beginning of time. So this is in the Gospel of John. So there's the Gospel of John, and then there's 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, which are three letters. Okay? In, In the Gospel of John, he said this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So John wants people to know and make no mistake that Jesus is God. He is the first and he is the last. He is the alpha He is and the omega. He has always been and he always will be. And he became a man. And so that Greek word for word is logos. Logos. And I'm going to read to you this description I got from a study Bible. And it, it, just bear with me. It says, in John, logos denotates the essential word of God. Jesus Christ, the personal wisdom and power in union with God, his minister in creation and government of the universe, the cause of all the world's life, both physical and ethical, which for the procurement, (laughs) good word, of man's salvation put on human nature in the person of Jesus the Messiah, the second person in the Godhead, and shone forth conspicuously from his words and deeds." That's really good. I don't have time to unpack everything in that. But basically, Logos, Logos was a Greek philosopher about 600 years before Christ coined the term. And he was trying to philosophize about this divine reason for being, this divine plan that coordinates and makes everything fit together and makes everything align. So 600 years before Christ, this Logos word came to be. And then when John wrote, he used that terminology. He knew he was speaking the language of the philosophers of his age, saying, Jesus is the Logos. He is the one. Jesus is the one that holds all of life together. He gives life meaning. He gives life purpose. And he, he is the word of God. He is the one that, that speaks life into the darkness. So John knew exactly what he was doing with every word that you write. So when you study the Bible, the Bible is breathed out and inspired by God. So someone that writes it actually is empowered and enabled by the Spirit. And so every word 
is, is packed with meaning. So you have to embrace Jesus for who he is. Um, he is Lord, he is God, and he is worthy. And so we're going to check out this, this David Platt video. Uh, he's one of my favorite um, pastors. And so let's, let's hit the lights and let's turn on the video. You see Jesus saying, poor fishermen, follow me. We need to feel the weight and the wonder of the one who's speaking here. This is Jesus, the Savior and Messiah, the one who promised to come, the kingly line of David and Abraham, the Father of God's people, Israel, fully human and fully divine. The one to whom wise men from the nations bow, the one whose birth ushered in the consummation of generations and generations of prophecy and expectation. He is the Savior King, the righteous judge of the world, perfectly filled with God the Spirit, completely loved by God the Father, the only man who's conquered sin, the true Son that Israel could never be, the light of the world and the hope for all nations. Do we realize who this is? For when we do, we come to one conclusion, ladies and gentlemen. This Jesus is clearly, absolutely worthy of more than nominal adherence and church association. Church, church leaders, we must not reduce this Jesus to a poor, puny Savior who is just begging for people to accept him into their hearts. I say Jesus needed to be accepted by us. He doesn't need your acceptance. He doesn't need my acceptance. He doesn't need any of our acceptance. He's infinitely worthy of all glory in all the universe, and he doesn't need us at all. We need him. We desperately need him. So do not patronize him. He is worthy of more than nominal adherence and casual association. Jesus is worthy of total abandonment and supreme adoration. This is no game here. We're talking about the Savior King of the universe and the righteous judge of the nations, God in flesh, saying, follow me. Too many people have, in our culture, have what I call a low view of Jesus. So they have like a Jesus light, okay? It's not really Jesus. It's, a, it's their own version of Jesus. So they might say, the Jesus I believe in is loving, gracious, and wouldn't even, doesn't really care about sin. When you start a statement with the Jesus I believe in, dot, 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 watch out because you may not actually be talking about the real Jesus. Because the Jesus of the Bible is who he says he is. He's real, he's alive, and he loves you. But he is not something that you can make up. You can't make up who Jesus is. He is who he is. The Bible says Jesus is eternally God. Jesus became a man. Jesus is fully God and fully man. Jesus lived a perfect life of holiness and love. Jesus discipled a handful of men to take over his movement. Jesus died on the cross in our place for our sin. Jesus rose from the dead, defeating sin and death. Jesus is seated on the throne at the right hand of the Father as King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus will come back one day to judge the world and create a new heavens and new earth. Jesus offers new life to all who embrace him for who he is. He is Savior and he is Lord. So he is Lord and to become a follower of him is to follow him as Lord. A great quote Hudson Taylor said, Christ is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. Okay, so when you choose to follow him, you really step into a life of pursuing him and knowing him. 
This is a decision, a one-time decision that's followed by a lifetime process of following Jesus and knowing him. But there's a lot of people that have never truly decided to follow Jesus, to obey him, and to step into the life of adventure and joy that he promises. So the next thing is we need to get real with God and others. We need to get real with God and others. Let's jump back into the passage. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So I want you to underline another phrase is God is light. God is light. What does that mean? The first thing God ever said was let there be light, at least that we have written down. So he was probably talking to himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But the first thing we, we have written down was let there be light, and there was light. And the last thing, at the, the closing chapter of the Bible, one of the last things we see is this picture on the new heavens, the new earth in heaven. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the, la- the Lamb is its lamp. So darkness represents everything anti-God. Darkness is sin. Darkness is wickedness. Darkness is everything that we see that destroys life. And God is light. God is everything good. God is everything righteous. God is everything holy. And God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. There's no mixture with God. God is perfectly holy, perfectly good. And that's good news, right? We want a God that is perfectly holy, and that's good news, and it's also kind of bad news in a way for us, some of, because because we have darkness in us. If if it wasn't for Christ, that the God's light would be very terrifying. But the darkness in us, Christ's light can heal the darkness that's in each of us. God's light dispels the darkness in our lives. It frees us from fear. It frees us from sin. It frees us from anything that's holding us back. Even our best days, though, we still have a mix of darkness and light. Okay? So we need something to cleanse us and to free us. Imagine that we had a watch party, and that watch party was every, just like we're going to have a Super Bowl party in a little bit. We'll announce that next week. It's going to be awesome. 49ers. Woo! So, um, imagine we had a a watch party, and it was every thought that you thought last week. Man, who would be stoked about that? Okay. There's people out there that say they don't sin. And there's a word for that. It's called delusional. Okay. It's called delusional. 1 John 1.8 says, if we, have, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Everyone has sin. Everyone has darkness. It's actually pointless to pretend that that's not the case. So that's why you want to be just real with God. It's a big mistake actually Christians make is we try to act perfect. We try to act like we got all of our stuff together when really none of us do. That's kind of the whole point of salvation, okay, is that, that we're not good 
And, but Jesus is, and he changes us, and he frees us. Jonathan Edwards said, you contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that made it necessary. Boom. So the first step to fighting freedom from your darkness is to step into the light, is to step into God's light, to let Christ ex be exposed about your sinfulness and let your Christ's light shine into your life. 1 John 1, 7 but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So how do you walk in the light? It's saying to walk in the light. How do you do it? The first one is be brutally honest with God about your sin. Be brutally. God knows every thought, every motive, every fear, every insecurity that you've ever had. And he loves you anyway. That's what I, I, I'm mind blown. It's like, God, you love me, even though I'm so, such a sinner. Jeremiah 17.10, But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserved. So God's not shocked by your sin, but when you confess your sin, it, it actually acknowledges before him, and he's able to cleanse you. 1 John 1, 7 again says, The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So the key to cleansing is confession. It's saying, I'm, I'm anxious. And that I, I confess that. I'm lustful. I need to be confess that. I need to be freed from that. And it says, the blood of Jesus. So when Jesus died on the cross, he spilt his blood. He died for you. He took the punishment that you deserved. He, he literally took the death penalty that each of us deserved. So it's not enough to understand this. We actually have to choose this. We have to choose to walk in the light. We don't want to just believe in the light. We actually have to step into the life. We have to actively follow Christ. 1 John 1, 6. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. You, your faith must be real. It has to be authentic. You can't trick God, okay? You can trick all of us. You can stand in front, raise your hands and worship. You can, you can say all the right things, quote all the right verses, but if your life is not really filled with God and changed by God, then, then you're missing out on something. You're missing out on everything, honestly. You can even pray a prayer, a salvation prayer, and if you're not really willing to change your life and to follow Jesus, man, that's not the kind of allegiance that Jesus is asking of us. Some of you in this room, honestly, you need to start following Jesus. Like, today is the day. Like, you may have grown up, grown up in church. Like, Deanna, I love Deanna, and I love your story. And I love that you were honest enough to say, I was a Christian, quote-unquote, but I wasn't following Jesus. And then she made that decision, and Everything changed. Is that right? Let's give her another hand. That was such an awesome. Oh, man. That's, it's just so amazing to see. Once you start following Jesus, his spirit comes in and everything changes. So do you know Jesus? Are you following Jesus? That's the way you know if you know Jesus. Okay? If, if, you, if you know Jesus, you will follow Jesus. Okay? You will, not that you'll be perfect, this is not about perfection. It's about direction. It's not about sin sinless perfection. It's about sincerity. 
It's about being real and saying, God, I, I honestly, like, that's the one thing I want. I want to follow God. I want to know God. And so I want to, that's what it means to be a Christian. It doesn't mean pray a prayer and go to church. It means repent, turn from your sin, trust Christ, follow Christ. And then his spirit will, will help you and come into your life and change you. Proverbs 4, 18 and 19. The path, of the path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining brighter and brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. I picture this like a cave. Okay, most people are walking into the cave. They're like spelunking. They're trying to go into the darkness of the cave. And to come to Christ is to turn around. And if you're going into a dark cave, all you see is darkness. But when you turn around, you, see, you may see a glimmer of light. And you start walking towards the light. And so some of you may just, may, you may have a real faith, but it is just a glimmer. But you need to keep walking in the light. You need to keep walking towards the light and growing more and more like Christ. And, and more and more of your life can be freed from the chains that hold, hold you back. So don't hear me saying that because you struggle with sin, you're not a Christian. But if you're not seeking to follow Christ, you might not be a Christian, okay? And so, so I want to challenge you to grow in this process of sanctification. And this is something that God wants to do in your life. I think about who I was 10 years ago, and God has completely made me into a different person. Like, he has changed almost everything about my life. He has changed so many things about me for the better. And, but I still need to continually confess to God. I, it's a continual walk and a continual process of confessing, being honest with God, and growing more and more like him and closer to him. So the next thing is we want to be open about your struggles with trusted believers. Be open about your struggles with trusted believers. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So true fellowship is only happens in the context of honesty. When you're real, it creates a safe environment where you guys can just have, you have some friends that you can be just who you are, the good, the bad, the ugly. Think about those friends. Who's the, who's the people in your life where you can just be that? And there's some people that don't have anyone like that because they're not being real with others. They're not being authentic. And that was me. When I was, years ago, when I was in high school, I had a secret sin in my life that I was just terrified to tell anyone. I was ashamed of. And I finally, I was nervous. I was shaking. It was like the most fearful moment of my life. But I talked to my dad, who's a pastor, which is even worse to confess sin to him. <laughs> but I, I confessed that. And I was just mortified to do that. But you know what? He gave me grace. He gave me compassion. And it was in that moment, it was as if God, like a weight just lifted off my chest. Like, and I began to pursue freedom from that sin and growth in that, in that area. And it was just, it's amazing. There's something, you may just be one honest confession away from a breakthrough in your walk with God. If you feel like you're kind of hitting a, a wall in your walk with God, maybe you need to be honest. Maybe you need to be real about a sin or an emotion you're struggling with. And you don't have to be perfect, okay? At Challenge, we don't have to be perfect. We just have to be real. We want to be real. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy.
The next thing is preach the gospel to yourself. Preach to yourself daily. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this is a promise. All, circle the word all, okay? It's all. Jesus can forgive you of every sin that you have ever committed. If it's not on there, then that's okay. Um, Satan, who is the enemy of God, his, one of his names in the Bible, he has multiple names, and one of them is the accuser of the brethren. So what Satan loves to do is tell real Christians that you're a dirtbag. You sinned, and so you are just, he loves to shame you. And so one of the things, if you're a Christian, um, you need to confess your sins, and you need to preach the gospel to yourself. And to remind yourself that Christ has forgiven you, that he can cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So I used to do this. I used to put myself in a spiritual timeout. When I sinned, I would, I would kind of avoid God for like a day or so. And what I realized what that was doing was basically saying to Jesus, what you did on the cross is not good enough. Whoa, that's a heavy thing to say, right? And what I realized that in, when I realized that, I remembered that there's nothing that you can do to out the grace of God, right? There's no sin too big that God can't forgive. Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. I've memorized that passage, and every time I'm faced with that shame, which it happens, is I quote that verse. So if you need to battle Satan or battle your, your shame, memorize this verse. This will really help you battle shame in your life. So to walk in the light means that you're honest with God, you're brutally honest with God, you're honest with others, and you preach to remind yourself that it's not about you being perfect. It's about Jesus and his perfection and his love for you. And then the last thing is step out in faith to walk in obedience to Jesus. So it's called walk in the light, okay? It means to live an active lifestyle of love for God. So being a Christian is less about cautiously avoiding sin than about, than about courageously and actively doing God's will. So it's not just about avoiding sin. It's about actively pursuing God and his will. So what's your, what's your next step? Do you need to decide to follow Jesus today? Maybe you've been walking away from Jesus, and maybe you need to decide to follow him today. Maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while, but you need to surrender your life to Christ. This is a sample prayer that we can, I would encourage you to pray. It says, Father, thank you for sending Jesus to be the light of the world. Thank you that Jesus died on the cross in my place for my sin, and that he rose from the dead. Please forgive me for all my sin, and grant me your gift of eternal life. I commit to walking in the light and following Jesus the best I know how. Help me live in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If that's you, I want to just, let's close our eyes, and you can pray after me, just quietly in your own mind. Just pray to God. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to be the light of the world. Just pray that to God. Thank you that Jesus died on the cross in my place for my sin and that he rose from the dead. Please forgive me 
for all my sin and grant me your gift of eternal life. I commit to walking in the light and following Jesus the best I know how. Help me live in a way that honors you. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to help you follow Jesus. We would love to walk with you and to help you take your next step. So if you prayed that prayer with us, whether it was a recommitment or for the first time, there's a box at the top of these communication cards. You have some cards that's called the Welcome to Challenge. It's on there. And on the top of there, there's a box that says, I'm choosing to follow Christ. And so I'd encourage you to check that box. If, if you prayed that prayer with us and you want to choose, I'm going to follow Christ, put a stake in the ground. New year, new decade, I'm going to follow Christ. Um, or also, in a moment after I close in prayer and the band comes on up, um, we're going to spend some time filling out those cards, and I'll explain that. So let me just close in prayer really fast. Father, thank you so much for this, this good news that Jesus died for us that he rose from the dead, that we get to know him, we get to follow him. And I, I pray that we would be real. We would be real with you, and we would be real with one another. And you would do a great work in each of our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.